Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the podcast, Persistent in Silence. Today, we're going to talk about how God can bless us even when we have given up. We're going to the book of Ruth, and we're going to talk about hopeless Naomi. Okay, okay. The word hopeless is in air quotes because we know that there is nothing hopeless when it comes to God. When God is involved, all things are possible. But Naomi felt hopeless. She felt absolutely hopeless that there was no future for her. Now, I'll give you a little background before I read the scripture. Naomi and her family lived in Bethlehem during a famine. And during the time of Judges, and during the time of Judges, people did exactly what they wanted to do. Now, you know... And I know and everybody knows that when we do what we want to do, God is not pleased at all. I even read in one commentary that the famine in Bethlehem was a result of the actions of the people. So, at any rate, the family moved to Moab. And we know that God never wanted his people to live in the land of Moab. So let's look at the scripture. We're going to go to the book of Ruth, first chapter, verses 1 through 5, and I'm going to read from the Holman Christian Standard Bible. During the time of the judges, there was a famine in the land. A man left Bethlehem in Judah with his wife and two sons to live in the land of Moab for a while. The man's name was Elimelech, and his wife's name was Naomi. The names of his two sons were Milan and Chilion. They were Ephrathites from Bethlehem in Judah. They entered the land of Moab and settled there. Naomi's husband, Elimelech, died, and she was left with her two sons. Her sons took Moabite women as their wives. One was named Orpah, and the second was named Ruth. After they lived in Moab about 10 years, both Milan and Chilion also died, and Naomi was left without her two children and without her husband. Now, I can imagine how crushed and upset Naomi was at this time. I don't have any children, so I cannot imagine a mother's pain of not only losing one, but both of her sons, and not to mention her husband. Nobody in this world should blame her for giving up. I've not read anywhere how the sons died, if they died at the same time or if they died a few years apart. The only thing that we know is that after 10 years, both her husband and her sons were gone. I don't even know how Naomi got out of bed in the morning. Oh, oh, yes, I do. Yes, I do. By the grace of God. That's the only way that she could have done it. Now, this was a desperate situation for her, but not for God. Naomi had given up, but God was just getting ready to bless her in a way that she never could have imagined in this very, very dark place in her life. At times like this, We can get into our own heads and just concentrate on whatever thoughts come to mind. We make that our reality and then we go with that flow of toxic thinking. 
They're not thoughts about how good God is. Because he is still good even in our bad situation. We don't think about his good plan for us. And he has one even though we're at rock bottom. In our mind, things just cannot get any worse. And we go with that flow of thinking. We start thinking, God is not listening to me. He doesn't care about what's happening to me. And all of this is happening to me because I have committed so many horrific sins and God is punishing me. When we're not careful, We can talk ourselves into believing we deserve all of this tragedy and God sent it. We convince ourselves that too much has happened. I'm stuck. It's final. There's nothing I can do about it. Now, really, there are so many things in life that seem final. And we feel as even though God cannot fix the situation. Yes, Many things are final on this side of heaven, but the way we feel about them doesn't have to be the final say. Now, don't get me wrong. I have been through many, many very hard situations myself. I haven't put on rose-colored glasses. I haven't pulled the covers over my head. Okay, I did a lot, but I got myself out of that. You know, when we feel hopeless and we feel like there's no remedy for a situation, let's pray. Let's encourage ourselves. Let's talk to a trusted friend. Let's talk to our pastor. Let's get professional help. Don't live there. Reach out. There's nothing wrong with that. Now, let me tell you from experience. It is not easy to pray and hope when your heart is broken. When you just feel like giving up. It's not. But that's what we need to do. Praying is the best thing that we can do. Never let anybody, anybody tell you that praying praying is all that you can do. Praying is the best thing that you can do. It should be our first line of defense, not our last resort. And you don't have to be eloquent if all that you can say from your heart in that situation is, Jesus, help me. Say those three words. Be persistent with those three words and watch God. Watch God pull you out of a seemingly impossible situation because God said, Nothing is impossible with him. There's nothing too hard for God. Watch him. I've been there. I've asked for help. And instantly, in one situation, I'm not going to say all situations, but there was one situation that I was desperate. I said, God, help me. I don't know what to do. And God strengthened me in that instant. And I can tell you, my situation was exactly the same But God changed me, and he can change you, and he can change your thoughts in an instant. Okay, okay, we're getting back to Naomi. But I want to say just one more thing. We don't have to have fluff when we talk to God. 
We don't have to put our best foot forward. We just need to be real and honest with him. And that's exactly what Naomi did. She just knew nothing was working for her in Moab. She heard some things about Judah and she made a plan. And she acted on that plan. This is what she heard. She heard that the Lord had helped his people. He had begun to provide food for them again. So Naomi and her two daughters-in-law prepared to go from Moab back to her home. She left the place where she had been living. Her daughters-in-law went with her. They started on the road that would take them back to the land of Judah. They started on the road. But then Naomi's common sense kicked in. Watch it when your common sense kicked in. She said to them, Go back, each of you, to your mother's home. May the Lord show you kindness, as you have shown kindness to your dead husbands and me. And may the Lord grant that each of you will rest in the home of another husband. Enough said. Then she kissed them goodbye, and they wept out loud. And they said to her, we will go back with you to your people. Their minds were made up. Then Naomi came back. She had made up her mind. She was very aggressive this time. She said, let me tell you where I am in life. She says, I'm too old to have another husband. I'm not able to have more sons. And even if I did, would you really remain unmarried till they grew up? She told them, I am too bitter, and they did not need to have any part of her life. Enough said. Then they cried again, and Oprah turned around and went back. But listen to what Ruth said to Naomi. She said, don't try to make me leave you and go back. Where you go, I'll go. Where you stay, I'll stay. Your people will be my people. Your God will be my God. Where you die, I'll die. And there my body will be buried. I won't let even death separate you from me. If I do, may the Lord punish me greatly. Then Naomi just realized that Ruth had made up her mind and she stopped trying to make her go. In the Hebrew, it says she stopped talking to her. How could she stop talking to her when she made this wonderful pledge to stay with her? You know, have you ever thought about what if we were this committed to the things that we ask God about? Naomi's mind had made up, had Ruth's mind had been made up. I'm sorry. Ruth had made up her mind. I am going with you, Naomi, wherever you go. And listen, Google says that the distance between Moab and Judah was 1,700 miles. Ruth was willing to go the distance no matter what it took. Oprah said, see, I said Oprah. I really meant Orpah. wonder where I got Oprah from. But anyway, Orpah said, see, what if Ruth had turned around too? 
I don't know. But it was Ruth encouraging Naomi at this time. And we all need people to encourage us. And she received that encouragement from Naomi because grief can be debilitating. We can only see what is in front of us, but God sees the future. And with this decision that Ruth made to go with Naomi back to Judah, God's plan was beginning to unfold. You know, I think I just said that Naomi was the encourager, but we know that Ruth was the encourager, not Naomi. If Naomi had had her way, everybody would have stayed in Moab but her. So I could have edited that out, but I'm not really good at editing, so please forgive that little slip of the tongue and we'll go on. We know that God's plan is progressing and they do make it to Judah. Nothing changes God's plan, okay? Three of them did not make it. Two of them did. Let's not get upset when God removes people from our life in order to get us to our destiny. We know how this story ends, but the middle is the place where we can lose our focus if we are not careful. Now, when they got the Judah, the peop- the women were excited to see Naomi again. They said, hey, Naomi, how you doing, Naomi? And Naomi answers them with, don't call me Naomi, call me Mara, for the Lord has made me very bitter. Really? They're so excited to see you, and that's all you can say? Now, if you remember, Mara was the place that when the Israelites left Egypt, they found bitter water, and they named that place Mara. And she took that on. Call me Mara. That's a lesson for us. Don't blame God that you're bitter. That's your choice. God didn't say, whatever happens, it's my fault. Have a good attitude. Okay? She goes on to say, I went away full, but the Lord has brought me back empty. The Lord pronounced judgment on me and the Almighty afflicted me, still playing the blame game. She left with a husband. She had two sons when she was in Moab. And now she's coming back. She has nothing except Ruth. Let me say that again. She left with her husband. She had two sons in Moab. She came back to Judah with nothing except Ruth. She had no idea that Ruth was God's gift to her. She could only see what she had lost. She talked about all the things that were now lacking in her life. She did not even stop to consider what God was doing. She never consulted him. All she knew is that she was being punished, life was bitter, and God was to blame. It's his fault. You remember the scripture where Elijah asked the widow, what do you have in your home? What did she do? She spoke from a lack. She said, I only have a small jar or a flask of oil. He told her what to do with that. 
And when she followed the word from the man of God, she was abundantly blessed. And I paraphrased a lot, so read all of that in 2 Kings 4th chapter. Okay? Life was bitter, but all she had was Ruth. But all she had was Ruth. Okay? Now, many times we speak not from what God has done for us, but from all the things that we don't have. And a little bit of an example of this is, you know, they say, we're going somewhere. And you say, I don't have anything to wear. And you have all these clothes in your closet, but you don't have anything to wear. Really? I kind of reprogrammed myself to say, I don't know what I'm wearing, but I've never gone out of the house without clothes. So I'm pretty sure I'm going to have something on when I leave my house. I'm going to find something to wear. So let's stop speaking from lack and recognize all that God has blessed us with. See, God had already made a way for them. Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. God set them up. Everything that happened was according to his plan. And he wasn't surprised by the death of her husband, the death of her children. He wasn't even shocked that Orpah didn't come with her. These weren't kinks in God's plan. They were stepping stones. And nothing surprises God. Those stones got them where they needed to be. Now let's look at the favor of God and his timing. Ruth and Naomi arrived back home at the beginning of the barley harvest, not planting time, not during the growing season, but the, at the appointed time of the harvest. Hmm, right place, right time. Look at the work that God had appointed for Ruth to do. First of all, she asked Ruth if she could go out and work the fields. She asked Ruth. She didn't just come in and sit down and figure something's going to happen. But she asked, I'm sorry, she asked Naomi if she could go out and work the field. See, I keep getting those mixed up and you know I'm not editing. So work with me, please. Okay. The workers complimented her work ethics. They said she worked all day and only sat down for a little while. Now, we know it's hot in that part of the country. It's very hot there. You know, I'm from Florida. It's very hot in Florida. So I understand how she feels. I don't know how she worked from sunup to sundown with just a little bit of rest, but she did. And she did all of that. And then when she got back home, she worked whatever it took to make 26 quarts of grain. That's what she did. I couldn't blame this woman if she came home and fell out and went to sleep. But she worked as unto the Lord. She didn't give up. She did the work with excellence that God had prepared in advance for her to do. Not with a grudge, but willingly. See, when nothing is a coincidence with God. Not their arrival time, the field she worked, or the owner who showed her so much favor. The owner was Boaz, we know, and he was not only a rich man, but he was a man of God. He was a gentleman, 
and he made allowances for her. Hmm, that sounds like the hand of God all over that, doesn't it? So much so that Ruth married this man. She married Boaz. Boaz. But if we look at the genealogy, and I'm not going to read it all, and I can hear you say thank you so much, but I'll look at a few of them. Salmon fathered Boaz, who fathered Obed, and Obed fathered, fathered Jesse, and who fathered, who fathered David. And when you keep reading, you will find that this particular genealogy includes Jesus. What a blessing from tragedy to victory. Only God, only God. Imagine being part of the Savior of the world, God's only son. And we are. That's our elder brother. Now let's do our part. Let's humble ourselves before God. Let's pray. Let's believe that God can do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. Just know that at the appointed time, God will answer our prayers. And just as it was for Naomi and Ruth, the wait will be well worth your while. Never give up. Be persistent in your prayers. Today just may be your day for answered prayer. Now it is time for Food for Thought from my sister Vivian Agnew Highsmith. And it reads, it's based on Galatians 5.25. If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. When you know you are a child of God, you walk in it. Meaning, you don't have to say a word because people can see God in you. Have you ever had someone you never met see you and say, I can see God all over you. The next thing they say is, I know you are a Christian without you saying a word. They say, I can see a glow about you. And for me, my sister, that is one of the greatest compliments you can ever receive. Things may not be perfect in your life and you feel like crying, but you know, God is handling it. Walk in it, keep your head up, smile, and tell everyone how great your God is. When they ask you why and how you can say that when your world is crumbling down, the answer is, I trust God. And I know that he has not brought me this far to leave me now. I know I can have peace and not worry I will walk in the spirit of God because he will see me through all of this. Just watch me. And she references Ephesians 2.10 again. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Romans 8.16. The spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we, are the children of God. 2 Corinthians 5, 7, and we all know this one, for we walk by faith, not by sight. 
Romans 8, 11. But if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwells in you. Have a wonderfully blessed and beautiful day. Until next time.